0: Well, as I said in our introduction, this is a very remarkable feast because it actually trumps the Sunday feast. We're not celebrating the ordinary Sunday feast. We're focusing on the nativity of St. John the Baptist. He's the only saint in our tradition whose actual birthday is celebrated in addition to his death. So he's got two feasts dedicated to him. That's how important he is. We see from our readings a focus, though, on not on his death, but on his birth. In our first reading from Jeremiah, it's a reference, actually, to the prophet Jeremiah, but it's applied, or it's applicable, at least, to John. God says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I dedicated you, a prophet, to the nations. And in our gospel, we hear how John will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And in our responsorial psalm, Likewise, we have this refrain about God being our God from the womb. It's part of our tradition, and I think it's clearly indicated there in Scripture, that something took place that was very unique with John. He was actually born in the grace of God. Original sin was taken away from him while he was still in the womb. For all of us, most of us at least, if we were baptized as infants, that takes place at baptism when we're when we're infants after we're born. But for John, it took place while he was still in the womb. That's how holy of a person uh, he was called to be. He was called to do something so special, to point the way to Jesus, and to do so unlike any other Old Testament prophet. All the Old Testament prophets we hear about in our second reading from St. Peter, they prophesied of the grace that was to come. But John, of all the Old Testament prophets, was the only one who was able to point to the actual living presence of the Messiah in our midst. He alone, of all the prophets, had that privilege. And so, he was very, very special. Now, considering his great calling, his holiness, his uniqueness amongst the prophets, you might think he kind of thought highly of himself, you know what I mean? If I was had that those sorts of gifts from God, I'd probably have a huge head. Probably my head would be so big I wouldn't be able to even walk around. Okay, I'd I'd be top-heavy. I'd knock, knock myself over. But it was the exact opposite for John. John was known as one of the most humble men that's ever lived. And he had to be. Because if we've got the job of pointing others to Jesus, we can't be pointing them to ourselves. Okay, there's a really beautiful saying that... John says in the fourth gospel, he says, I must decrease, but he, meaning Jesus the Messiah, must increase. I must decrease, but he must increase. And uh, that saying is very, very profound and it actually corresponds with the time of the year. So think about it right now. We just passed the summer solstice. Okay, this is the birthday of John. Took place exactly six months before the birthday of Jesus. Whose birth takes place after the winter solstice. Okay, so think about this, okay. John says, I must decrease and he must increase. What happens to the days from here on out after the birth of John? Do they increase or do they decrease? They decrease. What happens with the days from the, after the birth of Christ, there on afterwards? Do they increase or decrease? Increase. They increase. You see that, the beauty of scripture and our calendar and the tradition, how that all works together? John says, I must decrease. He must increase. So, John is all about divesting himself of his glory, so that the glory of Jesus might be all the more apparent and might be manifest and shown to the world. We also, as Christians, are called to do what John did, that is, to decrease so that Christ must increase. That's true for our lives, okay? And the primary way we do that is through the virtue of humility, and that's essentially what I'd like to talk about tonight, is basically the virtue of humility is one of the main ways that the presence of Christ increases in us such that we can actually fulfill our mandate to evangelize, fulfill our calling to show to the world who Jesus really is. So humility is ultimately, in the last analysis, about making room for Jesus. It's not a decrease of ourselves just for the sake of decreasing ourselves. It's a decrease in ourselves for the sake of increasing Jesus. You know, I, I I thank God that I do have the opportunity, the leisure, and the 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 time and the money and all of that kind of stuff to get out and to do a little bit of exercise every day. Okay, I'm a little bit of a health nut, but you know I gotta be because the people I work with are all health nuts. Okay, my maintenance man, he does martial arts and he does baseball. He does it with us for the sake of his kid mostly, but you know he's he's really in shape. And then we've got our our finance director, Mary. Mary Capone and she, I call her Mary the Body Ventura because she's in the gym lifting weights. And then you've got our secretary, Lissette, who's actually a martial artist. So basically I gotta keep in shape otherwise I'm afraid I'm gonna get beat up or something by all the people that I I work with. So I'm a little bit of a health nut, you know, and I watch YouTube videos of people talking about health things and exercise and I gotta say This whole health and fitness culture can really lead to a lot of pride and vanity. Some of these people are really full of themselves. And if you get into the fitness culture, that can really lead very quickly to a a preoccupation with oneself. Not with one's decrease, but with one's increase. Okay. Uh, I can remember a little funny story from when I was younger, I was a teenager and I was involved in sports, so I'd go to the gym and I'd lift weights, now you might not believe me, okay? Father Tedeschi, you're kind of a skinny guy, I can't remember, I don't, I don't exactly associate you with a weightlifting culture here. But just to rest assured, to make sense of that, I actually kind of lived vicariously through my brother, who happens to be six and a half feet tall and 280 pounds of muscle, okay, so I don't know, I probably thought I was like him. I had delusions of grandeur or something like that just by, you know, watching my brother. But he and I would go to these old-fashioned gyms. I don't think they exist anymore. They're back in the 90s here, okay? They're like dirty, nasty, smelly gyms with bad lighting, and the the drywall was falling apart, and the pipes you could see, and there was rock and roll music playing really loud in the background. The carpet's ripped up, and the plates are all rusty. And you had a kind of a competition between two groups of these kind of muscle heads in, the, in these gyms. You had the power lifters whose goal was just to get really strong. And then you had the bodybuilders whose goal was to look really good. <laughs> and I'll never forget, here I was probably 15 or 16, I'll never forget a, a older gentleman who was of the power lifting, you know, class and he, he walked over to me and he You see that guy over there, and he's pointing to one of the kind of the bodybuilder types, you know, they like to kiss their biceps, you know, those. He never met a mirror he didn't like. (laughs) Always will remember that, that really stuck out in my mind. So, we see here things that we as human beings can be very proud of. Now, for maybe most of us here, it's not going to be the fitness per se, but what about you know, our uh, professional accomplishments, our job, um, maybe our intelligence, maybe academic achievements, uh, maybe our possessions. And we can get so focused on these material things that we start to get kind of full of ourselves and we forget what life is all about for the Christian. And that is that we must decrease and that Jesus must increase. And uh, how do we do that? Well, a few things here. First of all, it's helpful to be mindful of our sins. Okay, so that's why it's helpful to have an examination of conscience on a regular basis. Okay, now you look at someone like Saint John the Baptist. Quite frankly, he didn't have a whole ton of sins. Okay, he's a very, very holy man. How did he remain so <coughs> humble? Well, no matter who you are, even if you're the Blessed Virgin Mary and you're totally sinless, you can always be mindful of the fact that you are a creature and that every moment of your existence depends upon the will of our sovereign, almighty God. And that if God just simply willed, just ceased to will you into existence, you would disappear. That is how radically dependent we are upon the power of God. And that's how limited we are as as creatures. So that's helpful. But you know what the more helpful thing is? Is to be mindful of God's, not of our own limitations, but of God's greatness and of his excellence. As it's manifested in our neighbors. Okay? We can look at talents and good things that our neighbors have. And that's actually a reflection of God's excellence and of his goodness. Because if it's truly good, where did that goodness come from? All goodness ultimately resides in God and comes from him and is given to us on loan. But the best way is to look to Jesus. That is where we see the divine excellence in its most manifest and apparent way. And so to pray to him, to have him the center of our affections, the center of our thoughts, the center around which we organize our life and we make our ethical choices, that's the way of making ourselves decrease and Jesus increase. And it's this humility... That's going to make room for the Messiah in our lives. And like John the Baptist, we will be able to point to him and we will be able to make way for him to come into this world and to manifest his glory for the salvation of our souls and the souls of all humanity.